Well, hello, everyone. Our guest today on the Get in the Mode podcast is the CEO of a commercial real estate investment company, uh, Jasmine Nazari, heads investor relations and operations at Urban Green Investments. Jasmine, welcome to the Get in the Mode podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Uh, so uh, for the benefit of our listeners, can you tell us about Urban Green and uh, your background? Yeah, totally. So Urban Green uh, Urban Green Investments is a boutique, as you were saying, a boutique uh, real estate investment company where we um, very often as a kid, I would look around and I would say, well, you know, who owns all these big, huge buildings and how, how does all this really work? Well, little did I know, I'd find myself exactly uh, learning what that is. Um, and basically we buy uh, bigger, bigger properties. Um, smaller than the huge institutions, but bigger than, you know, uh, mom and pop operations. And we add value to them and we raise funds. Oh, sorry. We first, we raise funds for them. We do due diligence and then we raise funds for them. And then we split the, we add value and then split the profits with our investors. That's great. And tell us a little bit about your background and what's your response. What's your set of responsibilities as a CEO at Urban Green? Yeah, so um, so back to what Urban Green does. Actually, we uh, specialize in high um, high octane value add investments. So we don't just buy assets and let the market do the work. Actually, a lot of our projects are mm, heavy in the value add element, and as a result, their um, profits or the returns are as well. And you uh, you can actually see a big difference. So um, my background, um, I actually studied um, in, I was born and raised in San Francisco to Persian, uh, awesome, <laughs> beautiful Persian parents. They worked really hard on, um, <laughs> on me. I appreciate them and love them very much. And then focused on um, basically learning a bunch of different languages in school and then went to UC Davis. Uh, where I studied um, soil uh, biogeochemistry, which is uh, soil genesis, soil morphology, soil mineralogy, soil physics chemistry, um, and it basically understanding um, the reason for that was to learn really how humans are so anthropologically dependent on soils. I thought that was really fascinating for food or resources or even um just everything, filtering water and all that. I thought it was fascinating. And I graduated and my family was like, okay, Jazz, you know, enough with the blank checks. Let's, let's get you working. Um, and um, my uncle was sick with cancer at the time. So I stayed and took care of him for a few months. Then my family stepped in and took over and they were awesome. But uh, yeah, I found myself uh, applying for an assistant position at Urban Green Investments just because I thought it was a green operation. I studied um, soils and the environment and um, my family is in, in real estate. So um, I thought that, you know, what better than marrying these two things? Um, <laughs> and then quickly I learned that the green and urban green was for um, dollars as well as the environment, if possible, but mostly mostly the deal and the, the, the green uh, that we all touch and know all too well. Um, so long story short, I started off as an assistant to our incredible CEO, and um, our team has been working together for the past eight years, although Urban Green started a few years prior to that. 
Um, it's been over, it's been over 10 years now uh, that the firm has been going on, but I joined about eight years ago and um, slowly or quickly, depend, actually pretty quickly, implemented a bunch of different software um, that helped us really um, have a better command of how we do what we do, um, what our investors want from us, what they want from basically how they want to be spoken to or reported to, um, how we manage things internally, how we do our accounting, how we manage documents, how we communicate with each other, just implemented a bunch of different software that helped us uh, actually lean out um, and become what I call the best team around. Long story, but that's it. That, that's awesome. awesome. Like uh, from yeah. one green to another green. So quite, quite the <laughs> jump. Um, yes. You know, and you, you've been at Urban Green for how, how many years at the moment? So you've been here for some time, right? Yeah, yeah, it was my first job out of grad school. Um, my first job I applied to and I got it. So I kind of fell in love with, um, I, when I fall in love with something, I'm like fully, it's like my baby. Urban Green's really like my baby. And um, it's been eight years. That's great, yeah. So, you know, at a, you know, at a high level as a COO, um, what are some strategic objectives that you're looking to execute on at Urban Green? Yeah, um, it, it mostly revolves around being getting curious about how people do what they do. And you kind of do like a personal, like an operational audit and you study how each, well, we have a lot going on, right? Because we actually, one thing I forgot to mention or, or didn't uh, think, didn't mention yet is what sets Urban Green apart is we actually specialize in a specifically lucrative part of the capital stack called the co-GP capital stack. So in any structured deal, as you guys know, there's the general partner and then the limited partner. And the general partner, which is the GP, that's the acronym for it, and the LP uh, have different responsibilities. But the GP is responsible for finding the deal, for managing the deal, for adding value to the deal, and then reporting to the LP. So in this process, we, um, over time, as a result of the different software that we implemented, we realize our investors really love when we partner with different groups. So they get diversification across sponsor, asset type, and location. Uh, so we don't just work ourselves on deals. We actually have over 15 different sponsors that we work with. One is specializes in data centers. One specializes in industrial real estate, another one in senior housing, another one in multifamily in the Southeast, another one in multifamily in the Northeast, um, and so on. So uh, how we how we work is we get we get curious and we see what they want help with or what they um, what works, what doesn't work, um, and we step in and kind of round out any gaps or inefficiencies. So I, my advice is just get get really curious because that's where you can find a lot of um, just interesting, interesting things that you, you need to know, especially when it's too late. You don't want to do that. Right. So you want to be ahead of the ball. And it just makes things people are more independent that way. They don't need to, like, ask other people for things. It's just at their own fingertips. We talked a little bit about the high level. Let's kind of go yeah. get into more of the day to day. What does a typical day at business look like for you? Yeah, I was just going to kind of joke that, like, we kind of we kind of seriously do believe that like slowly and slowly get more and more efficient so that we can actually go on more vacations, right? Because the work should be 
um, <laughs> get to more vacations is the goal. Um, I mean, not because we don't love, we love working together. It's really the best right. team around, but we, we, um, I kind of, we kind of wish it for each other. Um, yeah. so we can work well and come back. I mean, go back, go on vacation, come back to excitedly to us. A, a, that's a mission that's that definitely works. a COO agenda. So that's, that's a good strategic goal to work towards. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Get, create this machine with all these spokes and gears right. that work. Um, so day to day, we, I guess it starts off with kind of email, um, as you would expect. Calendaring is huge, uh, obviously, but really we have an API that we have with a company named um, DealCloud that um, allows us to immediately push updates to our um, asset management platform. So whether whether the, the updates are coming from us or from a partner of ours, um, we can quickly push them there from our email. So it helps us kind of stay um, accurate and um, empowered. Um, and then from there, probably I spend some, uh, you know, a good chunk of time updating our investor relations platform, which is Juniper Square. So DealCloud has our asset management tools. That's that's where we get updates from our sponsors and our partners, and we push updates there too and read them, um, and take action. Most importantly accordingly. And then after that, it's the investors, right? For me specifically, because we have over 600 investors and I'm one person. So um, we have over 40 investments. We've, we've completed, um, we've, we've managed over a hundred to date um, and currently manage about 40 portfolios. Um, but it's like well over 60 properties at the moment. Um, so then I spend some time focusing on um, investor relations and how these different investors what's going on, getting reports to them, getting distributions out, um, answering questions as they, as they come ad hoc or doing analysis ad hoc. Um, and then I spend a good chunk of my time on the phone <laughs> yeah. and just uh, following up with people and um, kind of exploring new things and also doing research on new deals. That's yeah. what excites us all. That's awesome. Now, um, you know, you talked a little bit about the software used there, the tech stack that you've put together. Um, you know, let's take a step back and kind of, you know, looking back at your eight years in the real estate, private equity real estate, as well as yeah. looking forward. Uh, you know, what is the role of technology in private equity uh, real estate? You know, yeah. what areas do you see it providing value? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I'll, I'll answer it in like three the past, present, and future. So in the past, I'll say that uh, private equity real estate is probably the slowest moving dinosaur or vertical of the bunch. Really, it is, it is a dinosaur. It's very much an old old boys club, increasingly a more boys and girls club. Um, and really, there were not many tools. So when I joined eight years ago, I think within the first like six months, uh, we found Juniper Square. And Juniper Square is now... I stand behind them all day, every day. They're incredible. But it was a PowerPoint presentation when we first started. It was really a deck. And we signed, we were, it was literally like, a, I don't know, it was like a workflow that we were talking through. Or it was incredible even then as a PowerPoint, right? We were like, sign us up. Can we invest? Uh, the investing part didn't work. They, they were they were booked. They were fully capitalized. But um, anyway, on the, on the tool side, they were scarce and they were, they were weak if they did exist. 
fast forward to currently, um, we are using the best tools of the bunch. I always say you're, you're only as good as your command of the tools that you have, not just the tools, but you have to have a very strong command of them. So we are using the best of them, really. Um, they're incredible. And I think um, investors are going to come to expect this information and more, just like a bank account, right, where they can log into their bank and get any information that they want and more, right? So the information has to be alive currently. It has to be drillable so they can look into details. I think in the next year or two, they're maybe even going to want to see um, details of the financials and how it all flows. So maybe some more uh, interesting graphics or interesting um, um, data data representation there that could be really cool. But I think ultimately in the future, um, and it's a company that's actively working on this now, they're excellent, we work with them too, it's called Red Swan, which um, they're spearheading the tokenization of private equity real estate, and they're really good at it, um, where they kind of created the secondary market through the blockchain for active private equity positions. So. Some people who want to stay in the deal can. Some people who want to exit can. Um, highly recommend them. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you talked a lot about the data and the dashboards, you know, intelligence on deals, you know, almost like revenue intelligence. That's a big uh, buzzword in, in, the, in that space, right? Um, mm -hmm. as, as a CEO, um, if, if someone could make all the data and intelligence available for you, what are da some data points that you would want to look at from a deal acquisition standpoint? I I've got, it's a two-part question. I'll start here first. From a deal acquisition standpoint, what, what data points would you want to look at? Basically, we're looking for arbitrage or alpha. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're seeking those opportunities that are untapped into. And also, it's things that are that part of that value-add component um kind of visionary projects that are really hard to calibrate or quantify um so we really it involves um actually a good amount of in-person work right you have to go there you have to envision it you have to get get an action around it so um in terms of information that i wish i can have um i don't think there's a metric for it yet but it would be basically be this um this arbitrage metric, something that that is special mm -hmm. about this project that value could be added, or you know, upzoning, or um, not just something simple like negotiating a better rent. That's not right. too visionary, but you you need to to uh, it needs to have a, a special something special about it, and that's the metric I would call it the special metric. <laughs> that's awesome. No, I I yeah. think you know as we encounter AI and machine learning, right, and a lot of these data sets and data points could be added, and perhaps they could you know with machine learning it could get better at prediction and showing that type of intelligence. Now, yeah, absolutely. The, the second part of my question was more towards your internal process enhancements. You know, what sort of data points would you want to look at? from internally, like how can we enhance certain processes, certain operations? What would you want to see there? Mm -hmm. That's also another really good question. Internally, we're pretty tight. Like we're pretty, if I may say, like we run a tight ship and we, we, we seem to be, we, we know everything that's happening um, and we know what each of us need to do. Um, or what each of us get to do and are, are responsible for. So um, I will say the most important thing internally 
is to uh, a phrase that I heard that re- was really good was don't hire anyone that you wouldn't work for. So like basically be very intentional with your hires because a bad hire is way more expensive than paying a good hire more. Um, so I guess I would be very intentional with who you hire because the yeah. time that goes into it and the investment is huge. Yeah, I think talent acquisition, you know, and, you know, is an integral part of, I mean, it's probably the make or break deal for an internal operation. So, yep, very well said. Yeah. Um, Well, let's talk about some exciting developments that are taking place in the private equity, real uh, private equity world of real estate. Um, You know, what what are some things that you're seeing there? Um, Exciting things happening. Man, cap rates are compressing and interest rates are low. So it's just a really frothy space. Um, as you know, um, right before the call, we were discussing kind of finding these deals. And, and we have a lot of lines in the water, you know, lines, uh, yeah. um, deals that we're pursuing. Um, so it's exciting. But at the same time, like we, we don't we don't know what's ahead. So really the deal has to stand on those special metrics, those, those, those uh, things that make it both mm, palatable now and de-risked now, slightly de-risked now, but also with a huge uh, upside component. So, yeah. We talked about, you know, exciting developments that are taking place in the real estate. I want to know more yeah. about emerging tech, perhaps, that you're seeing that you're going to, that you think is going to play a role in, uh, in, in those exciting developments. When you say emerging tech, does that mean? It could be crypto, it could be blockchain, you know, or <laughs> AR, VR, any of these newer technologies that are happening. Oh yeah, those are huge opportunities. I think the AR, VR would be really interesting for our investors to experience when we first onboard a deal. But when it comes to our, um, I mean, I think the crypto thing's already here. Like the, right. the Red Swan's doing big things, and I think they'll be really successful. Um, I'm trying to think beyond that. Um, it's just going to be this like really interesting or kind of a beautiful <laughs> renaissance of data that's going to create. Um, I think it's going to make for for more opportunistic deals to, to to need to occur. Otherwise, everyone has access to the same information. There's really very little, like, you know, the, the networking thing's already kind of mm, more democratized in a sense. It's not like this group and that group, and then it's not just these bunch of big players. There's a lot of players now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, some rapid-fire questions for you. Uh, you ready? Yes. Yeah. What's a great book you've read in the past six months? Oh, man. I'm reading two books. One is Zeckendorf, the best book on private equity real estate. He was the godfather of it. And the next one is uh, A Whole New Earth or A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, which is more spiritual. It's excellent. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Now, if you could have a wave a magic wand and solve one problem at your current position at Urban Green, what would that be? Um, Access to or being awarded every deal that we want. (laughs) Right. Yeah. yeah. Because we don't have any problems, I don't think, with operations at all. Thank God. We we just want access to more deals. We just want more deals. 
Got it. And we'll okay. get them. Yes. Um, now, in your Spotify or whatever you use for music, what's uh, the artist or song that's been on repeat? Oh, man. That's a great question. Um, I have so many. <laughs> I can't decide. Oh, man. There's, there's, um, I have some Persian music on there. Okay. A girlfriend of mine created. Uh, I can't think of anything specific, All but right. we can. We... <laughs> All right. Dancing is, is, no is my favorite thing. That you yeah. Pardon me? Uh, I said dancing is one of my favorite things to do. So, so anything. I, I'm really open. What's what's the what sort of dancing? Any genre? Um, house music, house music. Yeah, okay. my partner and I, I we know. love dancing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell me what's what's a book that you're reading now? So I've been reading. Um, I've been kind of raving about this book. It's called The Business of what? Expertise. Um, it's by Ooh. this guy. You ever seen this movie? Uh, it's called The Office Space, not the TV show. It's it's kind of came back oh. in the eighties. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a tech company where they steal a bunch of money from the company and they kind of round off the decimals and they kind of put it in a <laughs> bank account, you know, because they're frustrated <laughs> with their management and stuff. So there's mm. uh, this consultant, consultants who are brought in to bring in some efficiencies within that company. They're called Bob and Bob. So they're two Bobs. So the guy who wrote this book, The Business of Expertise, he's got a podcast called Two Bobs. It's a really good podcast. Oh. I, rec I highly recommend it. But uh, that <laughs> book has... Thank you for that. Yeah, so that's been an amazing book that I've uh, read. And I've also gotten another book that I got from the library. It's called Culture Code. I haven't gotten into it. And then there's a third book that I'm kind of pausing it right now. It's called Atomic Habits. It's about developing oh, good habits and breaking. Yeah, of course. It's a bestseller. It so. was so good. So good. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then what about your second? What about music? Music. Yes. On, re on repeat or just in general? Um, well, uh, I'll say what's been what I've been playing for the last two months. I think it's been mostly a little bit of John Mayer. And then Lana Del Rey, um, and Solid. then uh, Christine and the Queens. She's a French um, hmm. indie artist. I came across her on this COVID. Um, you know, when everything went into the lockdown, they did like a a Live Aid version of like a locked down concert. Uh, it was televised wow. in all these uh, different. Um, you know, streaming and all of that. But, and I found her, I, or I discovered her in that, you know, in that concert series. And ever since I've become a fan of her. Um, so yeah. noted. I took notes on both of those. Yes. Thank so. you. Well, uh, great having a conversation. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm.